First came tariffs and technology bans. Now China and the U.S. have moved into currency clashes. If this is a trade war, maybe it's time for supply managers to soldier up and attend a buyer's boot camp. So drape your devices in camouflaged netting while you listen to this edition of Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback, and with me is Bill Michaels, SIPS VP Operations Americas. Bill, you don't actually need a war on your hands to benefit from a supply management boot camp, do you? No, no, you don't. I think um, I think it's really good if you can actually think about getting people and taking them through the kinds of uh, things that you, you really want them to know in a complete immersion. When is it a... Uh... I mean, it's a very aggressive-sounding approach, boot camp. Uh, so when is it appropriate? What I'm finding is a lot of chief purchasing officers are looking to uh, have a way of inducting uh, younger people into the into the procurement field um, and, and in, inducting them into all the aspects of procurement as well as some of the cultural aspects and, and philosophies of the company. So um, onboarding people is a good time. Uh, and, and when you really, really, really are trying to drive category management or a program like that, might be a good time as well. Okay. So what happens in a boot camp? Kind of walk us through uh, your version of it. Well, my, my version is that it would be uh, it's somewhere between a three and five day uh, session where you're taking people through uh, a lot of the aspects of procurement. So if it's just a general boot camp and you want to bring uh, someone from you know, a tactical orientation all the way through to strategic, then some of the some of the things you might teach them is how to build a strategy, how to select a supply uh, a supplier, how how to uh, build a supplier relationships. You may want to cover ethics and sustainability and the company policies. You may want to talk about tactical and strategic negotiation. You may want to talk about cost and price management. Uh, metrics, supplier metrics, driving supplier performance, working with stakeholders, all of those topics can be arranged to meet the uh, look into business needs, to meet the needs of the company. Uh, and so what you would do is you would take them through, and if you do it on a, uh, on a uh, consistent basis without distraction, uh, you, you really can get some results and deliver some high performance. So is this one of those where you take away their cell phones and um, and and their laptop notifications? How do you keep them focused uh, on the on the task at hand? Well, one of the CPOs that that I worked with in, in an entertainment company uh, did tell them to put their cell phones on the desk, and we give them enough time really to go. You ha- you can't stop people from doing business, so you give them pretty long breaks to be able to deal deal with it. Um, but if if they're immersed in it. Uh, and and we give them enough time to deal with their cell phone and digital programs, then then they're going to be able to apply apply the learning. Uh, and it becomes anti-cultural to just you know walk out, walk in, do this, do that. They actually plan it. And uh, this t- particular CPO, what what he told people is to put their cell phones away, leave them away. We'll give them enough time for uh, breaks. We'll give them adequate time to to do to deal with the daily business programs. But at the end of the day. Don't be distracted. Yet, yet we're spending a, a lot of money for um, this investment in you, uh, and then get the best out of the investment. It sounds like you are working with a lot of people who didn't really come out of supply management uh, programs at big universities. That they have suddenly found themselves in a procurement uh, situation, uh, basically because the company has 
sort of expand the limits and put everybody, giving everybody a budget and a lot of uh, room to buy on their own in order to, uh, you know, maintain speed to market with new products and new innovations. So they're encouraging people to take control of their own uh, budgets. But that uh, that really could create risk if you have people that don't really know what they're doing. That's correct. And, and and we're seeing more freedom in terms of the stakeholders being able to buy um, uh, things that, that, that need need to get the company on their on their on their feet and driving this speed to market. So we're seeing more freedom there. Uh, however, we do see the, the, the constraints on contractual obligations. So there has to be some collaboration. So uh, if people don't know how to source or don't know where to find things or don't know how to deal with suppliers, uh, that, then it's really a, a good thing to bring them on board, especially if it's a stakeholder community. But we do see people coming out of other disciplines on the indirect side. So we might see engineers, we might see IT people, we might see um, uh, operations people, all, all with different as- aspects of, uh, of procurement. Sure. And this sounds like this might be uh, an opportunity for people to step out of their little silos. It certainly forces people to work together and work out of the silos. And, and if it's done right, and the expectation of the company is that it will del- they will do a project and deliver value at the end of the program, it can potentially bring a lot of revenue to the company or a lot of value to the company. So how do you engage uh, what I would call the eye-rolling crowd, you know, the skeptics that you encounter in any group um, that is involved in a learning activity, the folks that are going, oh, man, we've seen this before. How do you engage them? Well, I think it's really important to engage them. I mean, one of the things I think that is that is impractical is to do a generic uh, generic course. So, so if you're going to a, a, a seminar somewhere and it's very generic, it's not customized to the company, um, you you will get a eye rolling thing when you're talking about widgets or or something that's that people can't relate to. So, I think one of the ways that uh, that I like to do it in a, in a, a, a uh, boot camp is to try and get people uh, engaged in their products, what they what they know, what they do, and then how can you look at that with different perspectives? And when we start putting those different perspectives on, people really come on board pretty quickly. What do you mean by that? Explain a little bit more. Well, so when, when uh, I, I did a, a sort of a boot camp for a, a group of uh, food technology people in a food company, and they were really researchers, and they were in the research department, and they had no idea uh, about how how competition plays significantly so how they could drive competition to give them benefits and what they came away saying and, and i've seen this not just in the food business but in other businesses they come away saying i didn't know what i was doing and i probably cost the company a lot more money than i needed to excellent so where have you done this I, i've worked in the in, in the entertainment business and the construction business with with a couple of uh, boot camps uh definitely in the uh in in the social media space so th- there's a lot of any industry can can benefit from a boot camp uh in the construction industry we did a category management one where we really focused on having the output be a really detailed category management plan and it was a series of modules that we went through questions that we asked, things that we got people to do. But at the end of the day, they came out with, I think there were, uh, it was a small group, uh, but there were uh, four or five people that came out with plans that delivered probably uh, eight to $10 million to the company. 
So in other words, this wasn't just a training in isolation. This was something that had a project and uh, actually uh, a, a cost savings at the end of the day. Absolutely. And then one of the, one of the companies I work, worked with was a diversified manufacturing company, and it was a requirement that they do a project uh, and that, and they actually had six months to complete the project. They didn't get credit for their course. They didn't get. They, they had six months to complete it. Uh, they also had uh, instructors that were on call, and the instructors and their supervisors worked with them. And what they came out with was uh, a return of forty dollars for every one dollar that they invested in training. And um, you know that was not hard. Not hard to justify to their management. No, you 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 were a good supplier to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did we did quite a lot of those those boot camps, and it was uh, it was a whole range of different people all over the world, and um, and and they came out. It was it was kind of interesting because they had to complete the project. There were some restrict strict requirements on it. There had to be a pre course e e learning module they went through, uh, and then they went through the course, and then they had the six months to complete the projects. And if they didn't complete the projects, they didn't get um, credit for the co the course. And of course, their supervisors were charged for the uh, the class. So, how do you prevent an intense experience like this from fizzling into the same routine when the team is back at their desks? It sounds like you've got the answer with, uh, you know, by giving them a project and a deadline to, uh, to complete it. I think that's critical. I think it, you know, you really need to get uh, the learning embedded. They really have to show you that they're using the tools from the education experience. And, and if they do that, uh, you'll set a process in their mind that they'll work from now on. So you're actually going to change behavior as well as teach them something new. Uh, because they have to use the tools uh, presented in the boot camp to be able to be successful. And the other thing is that the management and supervisors have to be on board, and they have to understand the tools as well. Um, you said you had an experience with an aerospace company? I had, a, I, I did have an experience with an aerospace company, and one of the guys came through um, and, and um, used some of the tools from the workshop, and within two weeks saved $4 million on a very difficult bearing for a helicopter. And uh, that was a complete surprise. Uh, prior to the workshop, um, they they had a couple suppliers, but they hadn't really used competition. And after the workshop, he used competition to the max and generated a huge savings for the company. Excellent. Well, good. Have we missed anything, or uh, should we start booting up? Well, I think uh, I think it's it's a good thing. I think what we have to think about is when we send people to you know one-off seminars or when we send people into um, um, an e-learning module, uh, what's the outcome and how do you embed the learning? I think that's one of the things that people don't think about or don't have in in their mind. Uh, I know when I do work with the de development uh, and learning people, they always want to see an outcome that delivers value. And and if I work with a really really um, uh, um, good CPO, they want they want people to come out with a new skill set that they're able to use right away. And uh, when they when they onboard onboard people, they want them to have the process uh, under control, and they want to use the company process. So you always align your boot camp to the sourcing process using the company. And if there isn't one, then we create one. Excellent. Well, it sounds like boot camps are very uh, important and and uh, an effective tool. And I appreciate your telling us a uh, little bit about them, Bill. 
It's good to know I won't need a hard shell, shockproof case for my laptop if I attend one of your supply management boot camps. I'm Bob Rossback. Thanks for listening. Join us anytime for another Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. <laughs>